welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite Show. Uh, today, we have Joel Primus with us. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Of course. Grateful to have you on. Um, if, if you can, start us off uh, a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I think I, I was reading my, my buddy's book. He actually lives down in Miami. Oh, no way. With, uh, what's the, I know I'm kind of digressing right away, but the, I can't remember the name. It's like that one road that's got three islands on it and it connects Miami to Miami Beach. Uh, Venetian. Venetian, yeah. He lives, he lives on there. Oh, cool. He's raised, I'm at South Point Park, so I'm literally like 17 blocks south of him. And then, you know, obviously on the water a little bit. <laughs> Do you ever see a restaurant there called Soul Tavern? Uh, yes, I know that Soul was Tavern. His, that was his place. Uh, I've yeah. eaten there. I, I was, I, <laughs> he's like, he's like my, my mentor, friend, oh, just an amazing human being. Um, and <laughs> so I, I was reading, he, he was talking about how when your greatest delight the thing that gives you the greatest delight meets the world's calling, like the, what the world needs, where those two things match, what gives you the greatest delight, where the world needs you. That's like where you should be. And I'm not hundred percent sure I'm there yet, but, um, but historically on my way there, I, uh, I've been a competitive long distance runner and I've started a bunch of businesses, um, filmed a movie, a documentary about, about travel and recently uh, wrote a book called getting naked about my sort of first real startup. You know, you do the little, the little ones to try and get a flavor for it that all of you kind of shut down in a few months or whatever. And, and this one was called naked underwear. And that was a company that we took from, you know, kitchen table to uh, our version of shark tank called dragon's den uh, to every major department store in the U.S. to the Nasdaq and, and divested it, and so the book is it's a how-to startup guide fr from inception, idea to sale, and it's also a book about the importance of balance and finding yourself. That's sort of the double entendre of getting naked along that journey. So that's what I do. <laughs> All right, a lot of synergy here. So. <laughs> I don't know where I want to start. I'll, I just want to close the loop on the Soul Tavern real quick. I wouldn't know about it, but my ne my ex girlfriend was vegan because that was a vegan place, wasn't it? Yeah, or vegetarian or something. So that I've eaten there many times. Um, no longer with her, but I appreciate her for introducing. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> yeah, um, it was like vegan, and it had. Um, he's actually shut it. No, sold it or shut it down. I'm not sure, but okay. Um, they used. Chinese medicine principles of like color palette and hot and cold alongside the vegan and also the mixology to try and have like the super healing meal. God, I'm I, selling something that might not be available now. So yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> if you're in Miami, don't look for it. <laughs> and then uh, uh, running. So I, I run about six miles every morning. So I'm curious, like, Let's actually dive into that and then, and then we'll go um, into your uh, journey kind of uh, starting out. But for running, um, just this is me just being selfish. I'm just curious, like, 
when did you kind of start and, and how have you seen it impact your life and career? Like, is it a big part of your life still? Uh, it will be again. So fitness is a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Running long at this moment in time, uh, it isn't. And, and there's sort of a reason for that. So when I was, do you know that moment, I'm sure you and everybody in this podcast knows when you're in high school and you're like, damn, I'm like, this is the thing I'm good at. So I guess I'll do that. But in, before it's like, I'm on the football team, I'm on the basketball team, I'm on the whatever team. And then it's like, but I'm actually the best at running and I'm small and I'm not going to get any bigger. So I'm just going to run. Um, and so from like the time I was 13, maybe 14, I was running like, but maybe 50 miles a week then to like 80 miles a week by the time I was a senior working Mm -hmm. out, not partying biohacking before biohacking was a thing. And, and then I, uh, I went to the world championships and I kind of, I got dusted, man. Like the Kenyans just rocked me. So, so (laughs) and, uh, and so I'm like standing on the starting line and like, I'm 123 pounds five, eight. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, I'm fat. I'm, I'm, I'm overweight. Right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And so I actually become anorexic Mm. and, uh, you know, to, to the extent I ate, but I ate probably 2000 less calories a day than I was burning. And I dropped to like 115, 117 pounds. And I'm a freshman in college now down in North Carolina. And I can't stop getting injured and because I'm sick, I'm, I'm physically sick. I'm mentally sick. And it just got to the point where I, I couldn't run anymore. The, I tore my Achilles mentally. The sport had, you know, beaten me down. I'd sacrificed all the fun and spontaneity of my, my youngest, younger years in this discipline. And so it took a while to come back. And the things that came back, which I'm sure you can relate with, are just that feeling of if you're running through a trail and feeling like a wild animal. Or uh, I don't run with a watch anymore. Um, And so just it's not about that. It's about my breath. It's about nature. It's about feeling powerful and alive. But my body's still pretty sensitive. So I can't pound out the miles like I used to. Got it. How long are we talking? Like how long distance? Back in the day? Yeah. Well, I would just compete. I would run like, you know, I'd run a half marathon on Sundays and I'd run uh, on top of already having run 40 or sorry, 60 miles that week. Right. Um, And then, you know, and I'd run 16 miles on a Wednesday, you know, and sometimes I'd run as far as 20 miles. Um, but now it's like anything over seven miles, eight miles, my legs, my ankles, my knees, every, my, everything just starts to not happy with me. So I keep it shorter now than I used to gotcha. do a lot of hill repeats. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I was just cur- curious too, because like I um, like six miles in the morning seems to be my sweet spot, but I was curious and maybe because your body's changed a little bit as you've gotten older. Not that you're like older. <laughs> you know, it, it happens. Yeah. So, but 
or at least when you were running the 20 miles, did you ever notice that there was kind of like a, a time where you felt like you couldn't go through and then it was always at like mile nine or 10 where it was almost like the endorphins would just take over and then next thing you know, you're finished? Because I feel like oh, I'm man. just at that point, right? Like six miles, I feel like I could actually go way further. Yeah. But I just stop myself due to like time. I'm like, well, I, I have other things to do. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the curse. Like all my, uh, all my friends who are sort of in their mid forties, early fifties, they're, they're like working out like two, three hours a day. Like whether that's on the bike or whether that's running or swimming or, you know, a lot of these guys do triathlon training. Yeah. I don't feel like I have that time anymore <laughs> as much as I, I feel like the same thing. It's like, Oh man, like I got stuff to do. I'm trying to hustle and make it. But um, yeah. yeah, man, that, that experience, I think the zone the flow it's, it's, it's almost second to none in running. And, and I've had it in races, which is the best. <laughs> Cause then it's like, you know, it's like some races are incredibly hard and you, you feel like you're going to die, literally going to die because yeah. your body doesn't want to take another step. And some races you feel like you're invincible. And I always found that at night was my, if I was running at night, on a, uh, racing around a track something about the limited vision i think and just like the air being a little bit more oxidized i could get into that state far more um but on a long run yeah like definitely 45 minutes in your body is still adjusting into into its state you're not even in uh, you're not even into you know your true endurance zones your true aerobic zones um where you're you're capillarization of your blood is really happening until after an hour after 70 minutes right like that's when the the shape the state shifts and so for me i would always definitely i would definitely find that never on a run less than six miles ever period it would have to be somewhere on that longer stretch got it now you can just you can just flow and i think it's one of the best um teachers of meditation is because it's so much harder to get in that state meditating with the noise of our, you know, your monkey mind. But when you're running and it just happens, it shows you that it can happen. It's like, oh, it actually can happen because it just did happen. It might be hard to get back there, but it's proof. It's, it's proof you can get there. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And what I, I always tell people this too, where it's like any problem I'm trying to solve or something, instead of like, like trying to solve it, what I will do is go for a run or a walk and literally whatever's going on with the mental part of that run, like the runner's high as they call it or whatever it is, it's as if like my problems just solve themselves. Like I'm like, Oh, that's what I need to do. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, man, dude. Like that's, that's one of the, um, the challenges I think with, with the way that our work is structured, especially if you're, you work for somebody or even just this idea of like th this idea of trying is so misunderstood, right? There's this, um, to, to, to continue on the running example, do you know Galen Rupp? Mm -hmm. Galen Rupp is the American, the best, the best runner in America for oh, okay. middle, uh, long distances. He's, he's an Olympic 
silver medalist in the 10,000 bronze medalist in the marathon. I mean, this is a, this is a white dude, like, <laughs> right. Uh, trains out of Oregon. And there's this picture from the, I think it was the Rio Olympic trials. Maybe it was after he's sitting there on the starting line and he's sitting on the starting line. Cause there, I think there was maybe a five minute delay or there was a countdown like five minutes till the gun goes off, whatever. And all the other runners are like, you know, slapping their legs and like doing sprints and strides out and just tense, just tenseness on their face. And he's chill. He knows he's the best. And he's like, I got 42 kilometers to run 26 miles to run here. I don't need to do a bunch of strides, you know, and tense up my body. And he taking that relaxation, he just sat down course he won that race right and and there's this thing that's like the 80 20 rule that is in so many things 80 percent effort can actually produce a better result than 100 percent effort because 100 percent effort is is you're tensing you're trying so 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 hard that the body just loses that that natural ability to um and, but we think we need to try hundred percent. We're told to try hundred percent, but it's really when we do what you did. And, and so to, to, to kind of divest back or digress back into what you said, it's like, we think that the problem gets solved by just like trying harder and sitting in it and like working it through. But what you do, it's the way smarter approach, take a step back, pause, you know, let it come and not think that the world's going to like crash if we don't. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Kind of like let it solve itself is, is really what ends up happening. Um, and then also, so I'm curious, do you still do, I know then when you were running the 20 miles plus the biohacking, because um, I'm actually like very, like I, probably my biggest expense besides rent down here is my doctor. Like I, I have like a, like out of insurance and just like an amazing doctor every two months, blood work, like I do it all. And it's life-changing. So like, what do, do you still do biohacking at all? Or I, I have been flow. Um, when, when biohacking consumes me, mm. it's when I have to, I stop biohacking personally. I say, yeah. <laughs> right. Because, and, and that's just me because like, again, we go back to like this 80, 20 thing, this idea of like letting something solve itself, which you said so well is like, if I'm thinking, ah, uh, I didn't get to this thing, I didn't get to this hack, and then my mind's like spiraling on that, then it's not it's not actually helping me. It's hindering me, right? It's become it's become a crutch. Yep. And um, you know, because ultimately, I and I do I do believe in biohack, and I'd love to hear some of the things that you do. But you know, I always say we don't add our way, I shouldn't say, I always say, I, I say it, but it's not my saying. We don't add our way to enlightenment, right? We don't add our way to mastery. We actually edit. We actually take out the things that consume us um, as, we, as, we, as we ascend. And I think that, and, and so when, I, when something consumes me in a way that is unhelpful, I, I kind of go back to that saying that it's become a negative, not a positive. Uh, but, other, but 
to, to your question. Yeah. You know, I try to fast 14 a day, maybe, maybe 13. I try to eat either at one or two, or if I'm able to get a workout in at two or one or two, then three. Um, so I, I fasted a good chunk of the day. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a palette of supplements <laughs> that I take, but I take them on and off, right? Like, um, I, I try not to do the same thing month in, month out, month in, month out. I try and break it up. I jump in ice baths. I've been doing that since I was 13. Right? But I think Tim Ferriss kind of said it right. Like the thing I've noticed in the last year is like sleep is the ultimate biohack. <laughs> like, and uh, I have not historically slept well in my life. So I'm trying to figure that out. But what about you do? What are you, what are you doing? What's your routine? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's funny. You mentioned Tim Ferriss, like the four hour work week was the book that changed my entire life. I feel like there's a lot of entrepreneurs that have a similar story to that. But um, what, what ended up happening with me is uh, like three years ago, my stomach was just like killing me all the time. Like, and I go to the, finally, I went to the hospital five times for this. Wow. And, they, and they would do blood work and everything and like x-rays, all this stuff. And they'd be like, you're a healthy, what was this? Uh, you're a healthy 25, 26 year old. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, but I want to die because my stomach hurts. <laughs> so I'm glad I could still be here, but I don't feel well. Either way, I go to this doctor and he does my blood work and he's like, basically I'm gluten intolerant. So that was messing with me. And then I think that trickled into all these other negatives. Like my testosterone was super low. Like my whole body just wasn't functioning properly. Yeah. Maybe due to that. So either way, I do like two IVs uh, once Monday and Friday. They're just like vitamin IVs. Every week? Yeah, yeah. Every Monday and Friday, every week. Legend. Yeah, yeah. I noticed a big difference there. Are you, are you peeing? At, like I, I did my first one a month ago. And I was like, I, I pissed neon. Are you, yeah. are you pissing neon right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, did it all just like come out of me or did like any of that stay in me? Like, <laughs> I think it, so some, I think what that neon color is, is actually B vitamins. Yeah. Um, Cause apparently, at least from my understanding with my doctor is like uh, B vitamins, you can't really ever OD on. Like somehow your body can like other vitamins you actually can, I think like vitamin K, you don't want too much of that. Um, so either way though, two of those per week and then TRT I do once a week. So that's testosterone replacement therapy. That obviously you notice a very big difference. If you that's the that. one I've been wanting to try. You do that through IV. No, no. So uh, the IV is like hydration, detox, and um, he throws some other stuff in there, but more just like uh, vitamins. Yeah. Um, and then the TRT, it's actually a butt shot. Yeah, yeah. A shot in your one of your butt cheeks <laughs> once a week and that like if, i don't know uh, what your situation is but if you're feeling like uh groggy often or or whatever it might be or it could be testosterone like that oh, it, yeah. it's pretty dramatic how different you feel as a guy when you boost that up um and then the last thing that's actually surprising is for the mental uh, have you ever heard of people doing ketamine treatments yeah Okay. So I, I've been, I just started that with him and it's the best way for me to describe it. It's so strange. Like you basically, it's not, he does an IV and it's like a two hour, like very slow drip. And 
the last time I did it was a few weeks ago and I felt like I kind of like exited my body and I was looking inside my own brain and I was rearranging compartments. Like it was kind of trippy. <laughs> so is it, does ketamine normally have that kind of out of body effect or is that, is that something you just had? No, I think it does. Like he kind of said, that's what it would be like. It, like, it, a so it's like, like a, like yeah. Psilocybin? yeah. Um, kind of, yeah. The, there was some visuals, but not like a full, like, not like the giggles or anything like mushrooms would do. Yeah. But, um, more like my whole body was completely not like what was funny is because it's an IV. I actually kept checking which would interrupt the experience because I, I couldn't tell. Literally, he was like, if, if I chopped your arm off right now, you literally would not know. <laughs> like, that's how, like, and, and I kept, I couldn't tell that the IV was in or not in. <laughs> so, um, but for men, so it's, I don't know, that's the mental and then the vitamins, hydration, detox, and then um, the testosterone is obviously energy and, you know, whatever else. So, so you're feeling freaking great. That's important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then, there, and, you know, there's some other things like you at home with supplements. There's this thing, Ultimate Shrooms. It's like a mix of these different mushrooms. That seems to be good for and the lion's mane and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Extended energy, not the jitters like caffeine does. So, this is, I'm drinking Four Sigmatic with MCT oil. Oh, so, there you go. <laughs> I, um, I've used Four Sigmatic before and uh, the MCT oil, Dave Asprey, that yeah. stuff. So, he, he's pretty good. Dave, Dave's got some good products. Um, 100%. It's a bit expensive, but yeah, yeah. That's the ketamine one's interesting. I mean, I've I've dosed, I've microdosed psilocybin. Um, yeah. I've microdosed LSD. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and I've also journeyed, full dose psilocybin, <laughs> full dose LSD, full dose ayahuasca. Oh, I haven't done that one yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if necessarily think that's hacking. I, the microdosing, I don't know if I've, I've got it right yet on those. I've never done it consistently, but like to the experience that you had with your ketamine, I did not have that on my microdose of okay. those things, but I can say for certain that the, the shamanic journeying with psilocybin and ayahuasca, which for the, for the disclaimers, yeah. class A illegal, illegal drug, I'm not like endorsing it or saying you should do it when I did it. Um, it was beyond life-changing, you know, mm-hmm. beyond, uh, the, the unpacking of, we go back to like, why, why did I become anorexic? What was the driving factor that allowed me to believe I wasn't good enough? I was too fat. I was this, I was that it allowed me to learn how to get back into that, but it, I didn't just do it on my own. You know, there's somebody there before we did, we did like counseling before my wife and I actually did it together. And then after integrate, integrating this thing, there's a whole process of like unpacking what's happening and and how to do it. Like when you talk about you're rearranging things, like the pre stuff allowed me to be prepared. Cause sometimes when people take, you know, take some, some drugs, some plant medicine, they can't handle it. They're not ready to handle the emotion. They're not ready to handle that feeling of that ego just ripping from you, right? Mm -hmm. And they become terrified. 
And you don't get any work done when you're terrified. Or you mentioned the giggles. I remember when I was had the first time we we did a journey with psilocybin and I was like laughing and I was like staring at this beautiful tree and my shaman came over and she's like stop that like really here to do work like and she said I know you're a funny man I know you want to block with humor what's going down right now but I'm not going to let you do that we're going to the pain we're going to the source here. And, and that's the difference. Right. Um, sure. But I, I got, I got kids and, and it's, and between COVID, it's just been so hard to do any of that stuff for long, over a year now. So I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I, there's a guy down here. I've never done like the micro dosing, but I'm very curious about it because like, you know, just for me, I'm one of those types of people, like anything to, enhance the experience of working like i'm like i'll try it you know um but he apparently has it down pretty much to a science um but yeah i've, I've only done the full dose and that's actually why i haven't tried ayahuasca yet because i don't know if i am ready um i know it's different than mushrooms or acid but those two things have i had great times i had bad times <laughs> and those bad times were bad enough that i'm like I don't know if I need to try down this journey again. <laughs> right? So, it's yeah. it's wild. It, I, it's all about it's all about the preparation. I think, man. Like, mm. I've noticed if I've fasted, if I've ate clean, if I've prepped, if I've gone off electronics before the journey, mm. I'm in. A, I'm much clearer, and the and the medicine is much more impactful and smaller doses than if I like, you know, drank a bottle of wine the night before or two nights before with my wife, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't feel quite as good. There's you've added layers of toxicity into your body that you haven't flushed yet. Mm -hmm. And it's like, cause they say, and I don't know how true this is, but in, you know, if your shaman in Peru or Colombia or, or, or wherever, you know, they just take a little bit, of like a finger of the ayahuasca and they're already in this connected state. Whereas I'm taking like two shots of the thing before I'm even remotely close to letting go of my ego because I'm there's so much, right. There's so much there. Whereas they don't have all that. They're not. Interesting. Yeah. yeah whether that's true, I don't know, but. No, yeah, yeah. It would make sense. Um, and yeah, that's, um, I, I think for me too, it's, I, I've just heard of like, don't you kind of, you go through, it's kind of like a cycle. Like even the, even the good experience with it, like you come out on the other side, having, you know, learned a lot of it's, it's life transforming. I don't know anybody that's done it that yeah. didn't kind of say something similar that you said, yeah. but it is painful, right? Like it's work. It, 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 it is. Work. It's scary. Um, my wife and I had very different experiences. They actually separated us. Yeah. Uh, so that we weren't projecting and interfering with each other, you know, it was because we, whatever your intention is going in, like if I'm wondering why she's crying, you know, cause most people are crying on I, when they're taking ayahuasca, right. They're just per And that's partly because they might be recalling something sad, but they're just purging, throwing up. Yeah. 
crying shivers. It's your body just purging all this, all this pent up energy and negativity and emotion. And, and it's just letting it go. Cause we don't know how to do it. Right. Like animals, they like, you know, they flap their wings after a fight. Like when my roosters, I got chickens, when my two roosters butt heads, cause they were pissed off about who made it, what hen, you know, they, um, <laughs> they, they have a little, they have a little tussle. And then what you see them both do is they both flap their wings and they're just, they're just letting it go. Right. They're just that, that moment's gone. They're not thinking about it after that. Mm-hmm. And you see animals do this all the time. But us, we just like, nope, I'm going to store that in here and think about it for like the next <laughs> forever, right? Whatever negative thing happened that we, you know, somebody said something, we got in a bad situation. Um, we take it on as trauma so quickly. And, and part of this experience is letting that go. And it, and, and it does scare me too, the same way, you, you know, you mentioned, because again, to go back to Tim, Tim Ferriss, he had... Um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, the founder of Tom's, uh, Blake, uh, Blake something. Um, I think Blake something. He, he had two and one was very positive. And the other one, the other experience on ayahuasca, he, he had, he like had a, a, a trip that freaked him out for like years. Like he would wake up and he would say, he would say to his wife or his girlfriend or whoever, he'd be like, is this real? Like, and I'm not saying on the journey, I'm saying after, like he would wake up months later and be like, am I in the real world or am I not? Um, Cause he had had, I guess, I, I don't want to do a disservice to it, but he had, he had had this idea that like the world wasn't real. Like it was a simulation. And like, mm. he had jokingly said that in his simulation, it was crystal clear that sharks being mean was a mistake. They were never supposed to be mean, <laughs> but, but he, he couldn't shake that. Mm-hmm. And that, that scares me a little, if I'm being honest, like the thought of having that kind of trip where you're carrying this, like, uh, am I in a simulation or am I, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's, it's no joke. These things are no joke. Right? Definitely. I'm actually glad. Yeah. I think I'm on the right path. I, I don't feel what a few people have told me about is they're like, you'll know when you like should do it. Like if you want to do it, then you'll know. Right. So it's like, if you're not feeling called to like do it, then I don't recommend. And I'm like, I'm happy where I'm currently. And it's not that you always need to do it when you're like, not okay with how things are. Maybe you're very okay with how things are and you want to expand even further. That's fine. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought that was helpful. They were just like, look, if you don't feel called, then don't do it. There's no pressure to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've heard very cool experiences with it. Um, this is why I love this show. <laughs> so, um, but so let's talk about the book a little bit and kind of like it, the, your background. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you said, what was kind of the start of your entrepreneurial um, uh, start? Like you, you took a company public and what happened? so that wasn't the start obviously but what's that journey it was actually almost the start um oh really <laughs> yeah, i mean like I'll, I'll explain in a second but the uh I, like my first business was a boot camp um and uh and then i, I tried to start a magazine and then i ended up selling not selling i didn't 
I had this magazine from a small town and I like try and sell it to the, the newspaper of the small town. And they're like, no, but we'll give you a job because obviously, you know, you're a, you're a guy with gusto or whatever, you know, you're trying to sell hot custom magazine. Um, and that like, didn't, I think that was the last job I ever had early twenties, maybe 22. Um, and, uh, I think I lasted six months and I got fired and I think I got fired because I kept trying to, I I'd started the underwear company and I kept trying to get the people I was selling newspaper ads to, I was trying to get them to invest in my underwear company so I didn't have to work. And I might've like told the wrong guy that I was doing that. And then he probably told my boss, but <laughs> funny story about that, which I share in the intro of the book is that my boss, after he fired me, he invested a hundred grand into my company. So <laughs> it was like a week later, he's like, listen, I needed to give it like a week, but I want you to come over and pitch me on on your company awesome. um, that I hear so much about of like sweet so that's an idea of like or an example of how you just kind of got to roll with the process and, and let things unfold um, but so I started this company and it was like a year and a half in and I'd taken some money like his money and um, but it's so hard in apparel because when you're buying inventory and, and you're developing something, it, your, 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 lead, your cash out lead times are so far ahead of your revenue cycle. You're talking like four months if you're fast, six months normally. So I, I make, I design a pair of underwear, I order it, I put down 50% of the deposit and in six months I have that product. But inside that six months, I theoretically need to have ordered the next six months. So I'm two production cycles out of cash out the door before I'm like any real revenue in, which is why it's so hard to get investment for because the risk is so, so top heavy, right? Um, that I'm like, I'm bumbling around. Yeah, I've got a few department stores, et cetera, but I just can't get ahead of this thing. And so these guys say like pretty early on, we'll take you public, and we'll invest in you on the junior market. So not the NASDAQ, like the, the, it's like the OTC, the um, in Canada, the TSXV or the CSE. Um, these are very junior markets. These are like sub, a lot of these companies are sub hundred million in revenue, right? Okay. Nano, nano cap. And the trade, the, the benefit, the pro and the con is like, the, the pro is that there's a, there's a lot more access to capital because there's liquidity. If your stock trades, then an investor doesn't think they have to sit on it for 10 years, right? If they don't like what's going on, they can get out, assuming there's liquidity in your, in your market. Um, and there's more mechanisms to finance than just a straight up, you give me a check, you own a piece of my company. There's, there's just so many different ways to finance on uh, via a public company. So that's the benefit. The downside is your public company and you have massive increase in cost. Um, and you have, if your stock isn't performing, then it's just an increase in cost and no benefit of your liquidity. And so you can get yourself into a really tricky situation. I had no idea going in about any of it. Right. I had to learn it all on the fly. So I was, I like naked had like $179,000 in revenue when it went public. Like it was so oh. tiny. Oh. Right? <laughs> and um, 
uh, and they, uh, they took us public and, and then it just became school of hard knocks. Uh, I think three years later, we uplisted it onto the NASDAQ raised like 7 million bucks. Um, and then two years after that, or three years after that, we divested it to naked, uh, sorry, naked to a company called bend and laundry out of Australia, which was like a hundred million dollar company. And recently I don't <laughs> naked was actually just part of that GameStop thing. I, I'm sure you, oh, really? right? yeah, yeah. Like, so naked was one of the stocks I wasn't involved, but it has this like, meteoric run up to like 500 million dollars in valuation they raised 270 million dollars it's like it goes to show you the company was on the ropes gonna die because of no liquidity um liquidity driven by this you know the short squeeze yeah save their ass save their life right and so um yeah I, that's sort of the way of answering your question i guess but yeah, yeah. So, so where are? So, unless I missed something there, are you? You're not um, with the company anymore. No, I got another company now. It's called Cosan Travel. Um, okay. I exited in 2018, I think, of na uh, Naked. Okay. But I still felt like that. I still felt like that run. I felt. I felt like it was still kind of. You know, it's like your baby. Oh. It's like even though it had nothing to do with me whatsoever. I'm just like. <laughs> Sweet, look what I did. <laughs> yeah, no, that I mean, yeah, without you, it would have never happened. So I, I agree with In that. some strange way, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell me about the new company and then also what does um after the new company then like kind of what the book outlines and what people can learn from it. Yeah, the new company, uh you ever been to Bangkok? I haven't, but I did. That's Thailand, right? Yeah, it's Thailand. Yeah, I have a bunch of friends in Thailand. I want to go soon. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a special place. I don't know what it's like now. The last time I was there was two thousand and six. Okay. Imagine, imagine it's the same because I think like its glory days were like the or like nineties when it was like still an untouched gem, and now it's just like chaos, but beautiful chaos. Yeah. Anyway, there's a, this famous road there called Kosan Road, and it's like this traveler street, right? It's like you, when you get to Bangkok, you go to Kosan Road. When you come back from the islands, you go to Kosan Road. You know, whether you're going to go to Cambodia or Vietnam, you're probably going from a bus leaving somewhere else. Somebody sold you a ticket on Kosan Road. So <laughs> it's like one of the most iconic travel streets in the world. And we, we named Kosan traveled the, the apparel company we started after that road oh. and the the vision of the company is to no matter where you're going in the world you can come to our our site and we'll have like the clothing the bag um the gear you need for that trip whether it's buenos aires or bangkok or um you know ethiopia or tanzania whatever right like we'll it'll be customized for all those places so we can really was really cool stuff. But before we, you know, before we get there, where we found a niche is travel dresses. We, uh, we did a million dollars on a Kickstarter and travel dresses. Wow. So we're unexpectedly a travel dress company right now, which is awesome, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, uh, the, the pandemic, we kind of hurt us. We kind of paused for a year. 
yeah. um, six months, maybe a little bit of the year, but we're just starting it up again now. And, um, uh, and the book to, to that, to that question, you know, there's like, you know, this, you told me before we were starting like this, you, when you were just reaching out to people and how you spent six months in Kitchener, cause you had this like idea in your head that you needed to do something. Right. Mm. And that th- something was reach out to coordinators of uh, conferences. conferences. Right. Well, I was, everybody has a great idea like that. Like everybody has, I think a million dollar idea once in their life or twice, but most people don't do anything with it. Right. For, and they, and there's a whole host of good reasons and bad reasons, bad reasons being they're your mental blocks. They're the things that you, uh, you're, you're, you're limiting beliefs, your negative patterns that stop you from achieving that, that end. And then the, and then the good reasons are, well, you just don't want to make the investment. You're not a risk taker. That's fine. Right. Like, or you don't like the idea of 12 hour days or hundred hour weeks or whatever. Okay. Totally fine. But the book starts from the, when that idea lands on you, like lands in your heart, lands in your mind, what do you do with it? How do you take those first steps of, okay, now I got an idea. How can I test that idea? Okay, now I've tested that idea. I think I still want to do it. How do I launch it? How do I raise money for it? How do I build a team around it? How do I stay focused? How do I scale it? How do I transition out of it? You know, I, I went through the experience of being the CEO of my company to not being the CEO of my own company. I didn't handle it very well to, to the sale of it. And so from a fundamental practical standpoint, it's, it's like a, it's like a how to guide that, um, that I say helps you ask all the right questions from start to sale. Um, it, it does have like a, a, a consumer product good, um, it leans towards consumer product goods, but I think some of the is pretty just fundamental for, for all businesses. And I weave in all the stories of my own company to, so that there's sort of this, this start to finish. You're right there with me, you know, along the way to see what it was like for me mentally, spiritually, physically, I ended up in hospital with stomach pain, similar to you. Um, Yeah. Like twice on that journey. So you know, how do you, was it like something actually going on or was it like kind of mental stress, mental? Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird how that works. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't had it since because I've had plenty of stress since, but (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, it, it was many times I ended up in hospital three times twice because of stomach, but just exhaustion. And, uh, my friend passing away, who was an investor in the company and somebody I traveled to Thailand with and the two young girls like me, it was like, that was the, the wake up call to, uh, this isn't working. You know, yeah. I, I still want to do the company, but the way I'm doing it isn't working. And it is, you know, it's a bit messy and change is not always, change is not easy. Change is very messy. Change is very hard. Um, and so it was like five years when I made that decision to, today right where i'm starting to feel Mm. going back to the very beginning where i'm getting clearer on how i want to live how i want to work what delights me the most and how does that fill a need in this world right so 
Yeah, man. No, I, uh, well, I honestly, what's interesting is that I feel like we could talk, we could do a full Joe Rogan show. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just for time's sake, what I'll do is I, I want to leave it to you. Um, if, if there is anything else you want to share, please do. And then let people know like your website and where they can stay in contact with you. No, I'm just, just grateful for the time with you, brother. And, and, um, and uh, you can check me out at, at uh, joelprimus.com. The book's only on Amazon, Getting Naked, The Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship and Startups. It will be on other sites sometime in the next month or two. Um, I'm not sure when that launches, like Barnes & Noble and stuff like that. Um, I'm on Instagram, joel.primus, uh, speaking at the uh, World Work Travel Summit. That's a virtual summit. I think June 9th, 12th is a conference there for people who try to be nomadic and, and, uh, but trying to run businesses at the same time. Right. So excited to be part of that. Very nice. Man. Not sure when this will air. So I'm not sure <laughs> that's going to be historical. About like a, a week from uh, the recording. Oh, okay. So it'll be soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. My pleasure, brother. Do it again.